Welcome back, Ford Explorers. Before we get into this week's episode, we just want to remind you that we do have social media. We have Instagram, we have Twitter, and we have Patreon if you want to support us and get a subliminal shout-out. And most importantly, as I disappear, we have our hotline. Usually we tell you a story, but we want to tell... Uh, fuck! <laughs> Welcome back, Ford Explorers, to this, the SCAT Spirit Hour. I'm the Colonel. This is my son, Caleb. My nephew uh, is in here as well. You can't see him right now. He's uh, he's in a, a incorporeal form. He's smoke over next to us, but he's here. Don't worry. He'll go back to human form when we leave the attic. Uh, how is everybody? Hopefully you're well. Uh, for those who don't know, here on the Ask a Cat Spirit Hour, before we get into the main subject, every week we like to do a little ghost report. I own a very haunted bar in a very haunted building, and Caleb happens to work there. So every week he likes to give us a little report. Caleb, how was this week? Uh, this week it was a lot calmer than last week. Uh, I did see a lot of shuffling uh, in the back portion, as we always do. Uh, the one that really got my attention is I saw uh, a shadow go into one of the bathrooms and the door closed, but the automatic light didn't turn on. Oh, well, that's super weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those lights, so to give you context there, the way the bathrooms work is when you go inside, there's a, a motion detector to turn on the light for when you go in there. It's very strange that it wouldn't, turn on you know for the that, even the that door happen? closing like yeah because yeah. the even walking past uh if the door's open even walking past the room uh will set off that first one and the door closing a hundred percent will set them off um so the fact that something went in there and the door closed and the lights didn't go off yeah and it's is, not like it's broken they still work and i mean there's been times where the door has been closed and the lights will turn on which yeah, told that's you about the spookiest because it's like you, that's the most ghostly thing because it's, you know, we made the creative choice to have our so people understand, I guess it, the bathroom doors have windows in them. They're fogged glass and they have windows. So you can see when the lights are on, it's our way to show you that there's somebody in the bathroom. It's very scary when it happens when there is seemingly no one in that bathroom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will say I think I mentioned it last week, but if I didn't, I did genuinely see the lights change when you showed up this time last week when you came into work for the the meeting we do a meeting at the beginning of every week and i was <laughs> i was like preparing for the week and uh the lights changed and i was joking i was like you know i wonder if that means caleb's here and ryan walked our bar manager walked in the door and i was like ha and then you rocked in right behind him and i was like damn it all right fair enough <laughs> they like just it, really like me showing up i yeah, don't know <laughs> i can confirm that those lights do go pretty crazy when you show up i don't know if it's we should figure out if it's like an interference thing with your car but i think it's just the ghost no my car's not smart enough to interfere with anything <laughs> it's too dumb it's an old pontiac it barely starts. Yeah, and only if it really wants to. Well, uh, that's a as always. I never know how to end this. I always say like a good ghost report, but that seems like such a like uh, soccer coach thing to say. Hey guys, great, great game, great Here's, ghost report. Yeah, great ghost report. We got orange slices <laughs> over there. If you're hungry, we can take care of you. Steven's mom brought fruit snacks. Everyone gets one pack. <laughs> one pack, Darius. <laughs> We know you've been skimming the snacks at the end of each game. <laughs> anyway, good ghost report. Uh, <laughs> this week we're getting back. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a big birthday thing. The reason my nephew's in here in an incorporeal form is because it's his birthday today. My birthday's tomorrow, and Caleb's birthday was yesterday. It's a big birthday thing around here. For those of you who don't know, we do compete every week to see, or every week. Every week. Well, we do kind of compete <laughs> every week, um, but we compete every year to see which one of us is better at being the birthday boar. Boar? <laughs> birthday That's what boar. it should be. It should be a hunt. It should be a boar hunt. Uh, 30 to 50 wild, wild birthday boys. <laughs> wild birthday boys. What am I going to do if 30 to 50 wild birthday boys come into my lawn when my children are there? I need an assault rifle because of the 30 to 50 feral birthday boys. That sounds like a Chris Pontius <laughs> jackass skit. <laughs> 30 to 40 feral party boys. We put a Facebook invite out to everyone whose birthday was today. They are meeting in this park. Oh, we should do chasing that. chasing us down. Like the, like the Josh fight. The Josh fight. But we should birthday. do it for best birthday boy. Everybody who 
whose birthday is these three days, mm-hmm. we show up and we prove who's the best, who's the most deserving. G- giant pillow fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck. Oh, man, you know what? It's funny. When I was younger, this is just a quick aside. People are like, get to the fucking alien story. Uh, I went to a leadership camp, which is why I do a podcast now. Uh, and on the last day, we, for whatever reason, were allowed to have a... Like, it was in the woods. This honestly might have been a rehab. I'm not sure. Uh, And (laughs) we were allowed to have a pillow fight on the last day, but it was like a pillow fight across the campus. I'm very tempted not to look at the (laughs) cloud form that's over here. it was like a pillow fight across campus, and it was brutal, dude. Because people, I've never seen people like in the middle of a soccer field just winding a pillow up and rocking one another as hard as possible. People walking into rooms, you'd walk into like a building, they're like church buildings, and you'd walk into a building, just boom, your teeth get knocked into the back of your fucking throat. Uh, when I was on a uh, leadership in the seventh grade, I was at a, a band trip, and we had a we had the whole floor of this hotel. And we had a whole floor level pillow fight and our door was open and someone just came in and whipped a pillow in and (laughs) knocked the screen out of the window (laughs) into the parking lot. And they like charged our teachers a bunch of money. (laughs) So everybody starts calling truce, 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 truce. It's too much. We went too far. Sorry, everybody. All right. Well, speaking of ships, leaderships, leaderships, uh, we are because it's our birthday. We decided that we want to play it comfortable today. And we've been talking about some hot button cases lately. Things with, you know, real repercussions. (laughs) Shout out to the two people that no longer subscribed to us because we said eco terrorism was kind of cool. Yeah, also, to be clear, I'm a Montana man. I will always back Ted Kaczynski. I think what he did was cool. You can unfollow (laughs) us. That's fine. Uh, Yeah, today we're talking more uh, about our other favorite thing that happens in the woods, and that's alien abductions. That's alien abductions. Yeah, we're talking about one of the the first, like, really... We've talked before. uh, I'm from Great Falls, Montana, uh, as is the incorporeal ghost that's in here. Well, you know, mostly. Uh, And the first recorded alien sighting was in Great Falls. It was um, of the... UFO over the stadium that the, the coach... Oh, why can't I think of the coach's name right off the top of my head? Uh, I always called him Marinara. Yeah, it's the... the Marina. Yeah. That's what it is. Coach Marina. The Marinara tapes. <laughs> uh, but that was recorded on video, and that's one of the first... Oh, it was the first recorded UFO setting. This is one of the first heavily written about. Um, that was a couple years before this, so this was it's September 19th, right? September 19th, 1961. Yeah, so Barney and Betty Hill were abducted by aliens, and we're going to talk about that today, but we're also going to sort of talk about um, afterwards, them talking about the story, how they were treated. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what happened during their abduction. Unfortunately, it's not as fun as Travis Walton. Yeah, they did not have a seven-day orgy which with a bunch of really ripped aliens, which that dude, there's no better alien story than Travis Walton's. If you guys haven't read Fire in the Sky, you really have to because it's an incredible story. It's a firefighter <laughs> who has... It was abducted, and all of the all of the dudes on his crew were arrested because they thought they killed him. Mm-hmm. And then he showed back up in the middle of the street seven days later and was like, "Hey guys, I've been fucking aliens for a week." And all the dudes who were in jail were like, "Well, that's nice of you to say now." My mother thinks I'm a murderer, but <laughs> I'm glad you got your nut off inside of gray. That's good. Anyway, so Betty and Barney Hill, a much more, I guess, probably PG case. But there's a lot here. They were, uh, it's important to say at the beginning that they were, this is the 1960s, and they were a mixed-race couple. So a lot of the context of the story, it's important to know that uh, the sort of gaslighting that was done to these people can definitely be heavily attributed to just good old-fashioned American racism. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I know some people are going to roll their eyes at that. Like, oh, isn't everything racism? No, in this case, it really was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like we always do before we talk about the story, talk about the people just a tiny bit. Yeah. Uh, they're not super. <laughs> they weren't interesting or cool. No, they were. They actually were. Barney they, was really cool. Yeah. So, uh, they lived in, uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire and, uh, Barney was actually employed by the U S postal service and Betty was a social worker. Barney is such a good mailman name. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the mail, Barney. Yeah. yeah not a problem folks. <laughs> uh, so they were both active in the local Unitarian congregation and they were also members of the NAACP and community leaders when it came to civil rights. Yeah, yeah. But Barney like you was said, a, Barney was a, a huge member. Well, I should a huge member. That's such a weird way to put that. I feel like such an idiot when I'm like, this black person worked. They were a really big part of the liberation of black people. No, man. He was just yeah. He was involved in the civil rights movement. Yeah, the thing that all black people were owed. It it was the '60s, and like you said, they were they were a mixed couple, so yeah. they were very heavy on progression and. Just civil rights as a whole. Uh, but one night, they were driving around. It's September 19th, 1961. And they're driving at about 1030. 
on their way back to Portsmouth from uh, a vacation in Niagara Falls in Montreal. Yeah, and it's interesting too because they were in they were coming back and they had decided to come back a little bit earlier. Like they were going to drive all night. Originally the plan was like cuz you got to remember in the 60s uh driving on the freeway at night was a different experience. And I yeah. bring that up because there's going to be a lot about light and we talk about a light a lot when we talk about UFOs, you know, Arguably the most common UFO shape that we talk about is sort of a jelly bean shape that seems to glow a very white or yellow light. It'll shock you, according to both Travis and the uh, servicemen in the 60s in Great Falls who experienced one that was sitting over the top of the nuclear cache there. They were zapped by it. Yeah, if you guys haven't heard that episode, it's worth listening to, if only for the the uh, the poor petty, like the the soldier call yeah the, the phone bit but the soldier calls into his commanding officer and he's like there's something fucking crazy going on down here you got to get down here and his commanding officer is like uh-huh sure whatever and he hangs up the phone and then another guy calls back that's down with that same group is like no the guy who just called you just got fucking electrocuted by a flying orb it's really important you get down here and the guy was taken to the hospital so this does seem to match up with that same uh, description and I say that because driving on the freeway at night from Montreal back to New Hampshire is going to be very dark. It's going to be very, very dark out, and the headlights on that car are not fantastic headlights. These are headlights on a 1961 automobile. These aren't the LEDs that blind you in that shithead yeah. truck. Um, the reason they decided to leave early is there was a storm front coming in, and they were worried that if they stayed in Montreal, they'd get stuck there. Which is ironic because there was a th- to be afraid that something in the sky was going to keep them there. They're yeah. like, oh, the sky's looking bad. We should leave. So they're uh, just south of Lancaster, New Hampshire. Uh, Did you say New Hampshire? New, New um, Hampshire. Yeah, I'm whatever. not one to bust your balls usually, but New Hampshire. Listen. This isn't Lord of the Rings. It's not the Shire. New Hampshire. Sorry. Sorry. I, I like the idea it. that New Hampshire is just a bunch of it's orc, or, like orcs and uh, what are the little guys called? Hobbits that have like changed their lives. It's like their community in, in America. New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, so they noticed that there was just this really bright point of light in the sky that was moving Below the moon and Jupiter? Well, yeah, it'd be wild, right? Because, you know, again, the light, there's none out there. You can see the moon, and you can see Jupiter, and then you see this other thing that's moving in a time when we don't have satellites like we do now, and lights aren't like they are. There's not a reflection. What the hell is that? Yeah, and it started moving across um, just below the moon and Jupiter, and then starts going up west towards the moon. And she's like, oh, that's weird. That's a weird bird. (laughs) And they were driving down U.S. Route 3, and she was like, well, it must just be a shooting star, but, like, going the wrong way. <laughs> it's an indecisive shooting star. It's like, no, nah, well, no, nah, mm, yeah, yeah, I don't know where I want to land. <laughs> uh, and she said that. What if we met under a shooting star? <laughs> it just kept moving erratically and getting bigger and brighter, and she was like, uh, we should probably stop the car. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, this is one of the cases where they actually, you know, like get out and run from. Not to spoil, he's like about to tell you that, but you know that doesn't happen very. You know, I think when we think of encounters of the the third kind, we think of like um, like the movie. You think about the truck rattling with the you know sort of the magnetic and the light and all that stuff. In a lot of cases that we've talked about, there's a lot of people who run towards aliens, which I really do admire. Yeah, I admire the shit out of that. Travis did that. He was on a like a like a, a forestry crew, and he saw a light, and he like threw his chainsaw down and was like, "I'm gonna go see what that is." And I appreciate that. I really. Those are the people. I wonder if aliens know that. And yeah. they're like, we want the curious ones, so we don't introduce ourselves. We just turn on a light and see who comes. Um. You brought up Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and I just want to share this little antidote. Uh, antidote. Uh, <laughs> anecdote. 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 Liz, I'm having a rough time today. <laughs> it was um, his birthday yesterday, folks. My best friend growing up, his dad is actually in that movie accidentally. Um, there's a point in the movie where the main character is stopped by a cop, and he's looking for Cornbread Road, which Cornbread Road is an actual town in my hometown, <laughs> or an actual road in my hometown. This is the most Indiana shit. But they blocked off the road to film that scene, and my buddy's dad was coming home from work, and it's, like, late at night because the shot's dark. He drives around the police barricade and barrels down the street. (laughs) So when you're watching that scene and you see that green truck just barrel down the road next to him. That's the guy late to get home. That's him being impatient and driving around the police barricade (laughs) and just barreling down the road. And they were like, well, we got to take that one. So, um, like I said, it starts moving erratically and growing bigger and brighter. So Betty urged Barney to stop the car for a closer look. 
as well as to walk their dog, um, Delcy, because they were they were on this trip back. So it's like, let's get two birds stoned at once. Let's yeah, we'll go walk, walk the, the dog, dog and take a closer look at the and shooting investigate star. Investigate a UFO. So Barney stops the car at the scenic picnic area just south of Twin Mountain. Okay. And they get out and they start walking the dog. And Betty grabs a pair of binoculars and starts looking through the binoculars and notices an odd shaped craft uh, flashing multicolored lights. Traveling across the face of the moon. I know that walking the dog quite literally means they were walking their dog, but I like to think that it's like 1960s slang for having sex. So, like, they just were really obsessed with this fucking star. They're like, yeah, we are going to, well, bang, but you've seen it. You see it, right? And you like, see this thing, right? She's like, well, yeah, we can, but I'm going to get out the binoculars and look at this while we do, okay? Because I want to know what's going on. Uh, and because her sister, uh, Betty's sister, several years earlier said she had seen a flying saucer, Betty was like, oh, shit, that might be what I'm seeing right now. And, you know, that kind of lines up. We talk about this a decent amount on the show, but when we talk about older UFO sightings, unless we're talking about, like, the Sumerians in heaven and that stuff, we're realistically usually talking post-World uh, War II. And what we've noticed is that over the cases we've covered, it seems like aliens have a preoccupation with nuclear power. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating that they were, you know, like, their sightings all fit this timeline, too. It's weird that we don't see a lot of sightings of UFOs in the U.S. before that. But if it has anything to do with what we've talked about before, like the Great Falls episode, like maybe it's that they're interested in our nuclear capabilities and would like to stop us from using them, which they very well may have the opportunity here very soon. Yeah. Yeah. That's, everybody's been like, it's a monkey's paw for the alien thing because everybody was like, ah, oh, 2020, the only thing that hasn't happened is aliens. What you didn't know is that by wishing for aliens to show up, the only way they were going to show up is if, we, yeah, is if we push all the nukes and they show up and they go, hold on, you're not fucking doing that. That's going to screw everything up. You're not, no, you're not going to do that. That's stupid. And it's going to be hilarious if that's the way we get aliens because then everybody's going to think aliens are Jesus because they're going to be like, oh, he's back. It's the Armageddon. And it's just aliens being like, stop mm -hmm. fucking fighting. Unless, counter theory. Sorry to our audio listeners. <laughs> counter theory. They just want us to use all the nukes at once. Mm -hmm. So if we're just going to launch one or two, that's when they stop it. They want all of them at once so they can harness the energy and take it back home. Yeah, they're going to come back. Or they, they're like, well, we want to mine that planet. But it kind of seems like they're going to kill each other first. So why don't we wait for that to happen, then we'll go see what's left. They need uh, irradiated ores. So well, like, it actually speaks. Yeah, they need irradiated they ores. bomb the planet, come in, swipe it, and go back home. Well, it does It does sort of speak to, like, the super bloom concept. You know, we have this idea that in nuclear winter, everything will be destroyed and terrible. But there's a lot of evidence that actually shows us that a lot of plants will be sort of turbocharged by it. And it caused what's known as the super bloom. It's what um, uh, fucking Far Cry five and a half or whatever. Yeah. The New Day one. The reason it looks like that is because it's based on the idea of the super bloom, which is definitely something that could happen. So maybe the aliens know the super bloom is going to happen. They're like, nuke each other. We'll come clean it up. So uh, Barney finally grabs the binoculars and he starts looking at it and he's, he's like on the bottom he's like give me those <laughs> he's like that's uh I, I think that's just a commercial airliner traveling towards Vermont on its way from Montreal and I'm pretty sure the pilot's drunk <laughs> and, and he's looking at it and he's like or maybe not because it then just started getting closer and closer to him without seemingly turning so he was like oh um that object was a plane? Uh, it's not a plane. It's not a plane. <laughs> uh, like Ten seconds later, hey, sweetie, don't worry. I think that's a plane. And he's looking at it. He's like, actually, you know that thing a while ago when I was like, I think it's a plane? I don't think it's a plane. <laughs> I don't think it's a plane anymore. <laughs> so they quickly get back in the car, and uh, they drive towards uh, Franconia Notch, okay. which is a narrow, mountainous stretch of the road. And when they're driving down this isolated road, moving very slowly, uh, just try Rude. to keep <laughs> fucking slow little losers. Uh, trying to keep the object in sight. Uh, the object passes above a restaurant in a signal tower on top of everybody, Cannon Mountain. Everybody hates a tailing mission. Everybody hates oh, a tailing man. mission. They're, yeah, you're too far away. You're too close. You're too far away. All you had to do was follow the train. You lost a person. <laughs> uh, and it came out near the old man of the mountain, which is a, a like, it's a rock formation. Yes, yeah, the mountain's butthole. It's a mountain That's butthole. what a mountain's butthole is called. It's the called old the man old man. Mountain. Yeah. It's the cave at the bottom of a mountain. It's the butthole. It's where all the wind from the top. This is real. Yeah. It's where all the wind from all the crevasses comes out. It has to come out somewhere. And there's usually a cave or two. It's the old man. That's the butthole. Old so, man in the mountain. Everybody knows that. Betty testifies that it was at least one and a half times the length of the granite cliff profile, which was about 40 feet, and it seemed to be rotating. Okay. So she's like, oh, 
pretty, pretty, uh, hey, pretty you think that's a plane? Saucer. No, I'm going to go ahead and triple down now and say it's spinning in circles. I don't <laughs> think it's a plane. That guy is really <laughs> drunk. That guy is really, really drunk. Dude, I loved you in Solly. Uh, so <laughs> the couple watched as this silent illuminated craft started moving even more erratically and what they said was bouncing around the sky. And that's a way that it's been described. I legitimately am beginning to think that it's like a distraction pattern. You know, I feel like we're always like, man, why do aliens fly so strangely? Well, for all we know, they do that because they're like, well, when we do that, they look at us. It's like waving, you know, humans naturally know to wave at people. Maybe the UFO is like, huh, huh? Uh, see, see, do you see me? Do you see me? Maybe they're really, you know, we like to think that aliens are trying really hard not to contact us. What if they it's the really opposite? What if they're trying really fucking hard? It's just really difficult to do. And they've been like trying to warn us about something for a long time. And they're like, dude, every time we go, they don't get us. That one guy tried to have sex with a bunch of us. <laughs> I actually think there's different types of aliens. I wonder if like grays are the perverts yeah, and I mean, all aliens know that. Like when they show up at the cantina, everybody's like, oh, those fucking perverts are here. Like, going to fuck somebody. They're always trying to probe you, dude. Dude. Yeah, fucking creepy weirdos at the bar. And then there's like other aliens that are significant, like the reptilians or like the, you know, the chiss. They're like very militarily minded and they're like, we will take over every planet we find. I just hope that's how it really works. These reptilian conspiracies. They're just, it's Bosk. That's all. Hey, it's, hey me and my trans oceans. <laughs> Me and my 8 to 11 gray buddies over here saw you from across the bar and wondered if you wanted to go home with us. So, uh, finally, they're about one mile south. We live in the old man of the mountain. Of uh, Indian Head, and they were like, this object is rapidly descending towards our vehicle. And they're on the highway, and he just stops in the middle of the highway. He's like, all right, we're not driving anymore. This thing's clearly coming for us. So they stop in the middle of the highway. Why wouldn't you... I just feel like if something was coming straight for you, you'd want to be in the thing that was faster than a human. Yeah, you know. Well, uh, so this huge silent craft hovered about 80 to 100 feet above their car. It was a, a 1957 Chevy Bel Air and filled the entire view of their windshield. And they said it was this giant pancake that was just floating in front of them and took up the entire area. I hope they said pancake with resentment. It's fucking, fucking pancake, pancake that won't move. That's one of those words you can't say mean. Yeah. Just like, like bubbles. Yeah, it's like bubbles, yeah. Fucking bubbles. <laughs> uh, no, so he gets out of the car and has a pistol in his pocket that he retrieves. Hey, is that postman is ready to shoot that UFO. <laughs> so he, he said, stop you know right there, I'm a federal a agent. <laughs> a postman with a gun. Um, he gets out and he grabs the uh, binoculars and he is just moving closer and closer to this object, looks through the binoculars and sees eight to 11 humanoid figures staring out of the window at him. Be like, hi. So uh, he said, we're that doing some sex pervert stuff in here. You want to come <laughs> in unison? All but one figure moved uh, to what appeared to be a panel on the rear wall of the hallway that encircled the front portion of the craft. And he said that one was just standing there staring at him while the other ones moved to the back of the room. That's the creepy one in the, the group. They're all like, hey, look, the humans. And then they all kind of wandered away, and the one was standing there just like. And uh, he said that it communicated a message telling him to stay where you are and keep looking. And Barney said he had a recollection of observing the humanoid forms Wearing glossy black uniforms and black caps. Ooh, little matching hats. <laughs> little matching hats. <laughs> he said uh, that red lights on what appeared to be like bat wing fins began to telescope out of the sides of the craft, and a long structure descended from the bottom of the craft. So these these tendril arms came That's out. That's a probe droid. <laughs> you just <laughs> described. That's a probe droid. So it just kind of had these big tendrily arms come and hold it up. And this chute came down from the bottom, and the silent craft approached what Barney estimated to be within uh, 50 and 80 feet above him and 300 feet away from him. Okay. So, on October 21st... Well within field goal range. Yeah. Like a month later, October 21st, 1961, Barney reported to the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, or the I, uh, NICAP. Yeah. That we've talked about those guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're one of the biggest forces on recording UFOs at this point. Uh, that he was like, "Hey, uh, I saw this thing, and these beings were somehow not human." It's interesting that he had that to say from that far away, though. Mm -hmm. You know, well, he had binoculars. That's so, true. Yeah, so he probably saw them decently well. Uh, how far does the average set of binoculars? How far does that mag magnify? Like, 
You know, that, what I mean? yeah, I think it depends, but I'm sure within 300 feet you could definitely see. Yeah, probably. Because he, he, I mean, it's just a football field. Uh, it's like a football field, you know, an American. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the most American, you know, guys. It's a football field. Hold on, the ghost is showing me information. What? Uh, seven times and a hundred times. Okay, so seven to a hundred times. So yeah, you could probably. Yeah, yeah, it'd make it seem like thirty feet away. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, ten times. Yeah, oh, so that's yeah. even closer. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thanks, but, ghost. <laughs> so. We gotta hire that ghost as an intern. Barney, like, still looking through him, gets this message that's like, "Stay where you are and keep looking at us." And he goes, "Fuck this!" and take <laughs> quote tore the binoculars away from his eyes and ran back to the car in a near historical state. Gets in the car with Betty in there, and he said, "They're gonna capture us." And he hasn't told the whole story. <clears throat> he was getting pranked. I've done this before. What you do is you go, "Hey man, look over here," and then when they do, you flip around and you moon them. And I like to think that all the aliens were up there just, like, swinging their alien dicks at him. And they're like, don't move and keep looking. And he was like, okay, I'll keep looking. And he, like, looked closer and just 30 alien dicks popped up. And he's like, oh, god damn you. I've had this happen before. This happened to me in the force. I'm out of here. There's 30 alien dicks among the 8 to 11 aliens. This is just like post-mid school again. <laughs> so he's like, they're going to capture us. And he saw the object again shift its location Right above their vehicle. He's just like, their dicks went, are coming <laughs> for us. It just went. And Betty was like, uh, uh, and just guns it and takes off. And he's like, Betty, keep looking at the object. So she rolls down the window, looks out, and immediately this series of this rhythmic series of beeping and buzzing just goes and just starts pelting the vehicle with sound. It was just, it's the same weapons that are giving people Havana syndrome. Yeah. Or do you think it was just like, do you think it was like a uh, dubstep? They said the car vibrated and the tingling sensation passed through their bodies. Ooh. And I'm going to be honest with you, officer. It felt pretty good. And uh, they said they experienced an onset of altered state of consciousness that left their minds dulled. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck? What happened? I'm dumb now. And they were like this weird, like head, like, you know, when you get too stoned, that just, like, trapped I in your own head well. feeling. Yep. <laughs> they said that's what they were feeling, and then a second series of beeping and buzzing uh, hit them again, and they returned to full consciousness, and they found that they had traveled nearly 35 miles south. Oh, wild. But don't remember any of it. Uh, they do say they have some fuzzy recollection that they recalled making a sudden, sharp, unplanned turn, encountered a roadblock, and saw a fiery orb in the road. So they... They ran that far? No, they were driving. Okay, so they got back in the car. Yeah, they got okay. back in the car and gunned it, but they, when the first buzzing sensation happened, they essentially like blacked out. Yeah, and then woke back and up. And then woke back out to another one, 35 miles south Damn. of where they were. Because, I mean, even if they were hauling in that car at 70 miles an hour, that's still you know 30 minutes of driving that you don't remember. Um, they finally get home at about dawn, and they get there, and they're like, what the hell just happened? They can't explain what happened to them. Dude, what a night. I've had some nights oh, where I stumbled night. in at, like, 6 in the morning, and it's never been like that. That's how you feel, though. Like, when I lived in China, you'd be, you'd finish the night, you know, because we get off at work at, like, 2 or whatever, and then we go out for a beer or whatever. And you're out till well, I say a beer or whatever, but then you're out until, like, 6 or 7. I had one beer the whole time. I drank it very slowly. <laughs> really nursed it. It got yeah. real warm. And the subway opens back up at 6, so you got all these, like, business people and their little suits and they're all ready to go and they're all so fucking professional and they're like really intense and you're still kind of drunk asses on the train smelling bad and looking like yesterday and you're just like oh this is the worst experience and i feel like that's what would happen if i got abducted by aliens they'd abduct me and i'd be guys i wasn't ready for this i didn't even take a shower today i'm not you don't want to put anything in my butt i promise so uh betty insisted that they should keep their luggage near the back door instead of bringing it actually in the house She's like, I don't fucking trust the luggage anymore. <laughs> like the idea that she didn't trust it and her solution to I don't trust it is, I don't know, leave it in the yard. Uh, What's going to happen? I don't know. The shirts. What about the shirts? They said that their watches stopped working and never worked again. They okay. like tried to replace the batteries and everything. Nothing worked. EMP pulse. And that the leather strap for the binoculars was torn to shreds. Doesn't recall tearing it. Weird. Uh, the toes of his dress shoes were scraped up. Um, and he said that he was... Comp <laughs> this is my favorite. This is in Barney's actual testimony. He said, 
I was compelled to examine my genitals in the bathroom. <laughs> I found nothing unusual. <laughs> I was compelled to... Uh, that's such a professional way to be like, listen, I'm a guy, the first thing I thought was, is my dick okay? Is it... I should probably do a dick check. I'll be right back. I gotta go. They, uh, they then each took long showers to remove what they said to be possible contamination. Yeah, you and don't have they... to say why two people who thought they got abducted took long yeah. showers. We know why they just took cry. long showers. Yeah. <laughs> of varying temperatures. When they got out, uh, they each drew a picture of what they observed. I love that exercise. Okay, you draw yours. Show me yours they and fold, I'll show you mine. They folded a piece of paper, hot yeah. dog style, and they said, you draw the top half, I'll, I'll draw, draw the, the bottom, bottom half. half. So perplexed, the Hills said they tried to reconstruct the chronological uh, chronological order of the events yeah, from when they witnessed the UFO to driving home, but immediately they heard the buzzing sound again and their memories became incomplete and fragmented. So it's like they put like a block. Yeah. If they tried to, to reconstruct what happened, it'd just be like when you lean your head against a microwave, as I assume everyone's done. Yeah. Uh, and it just goes, and you kind of forget what you're doing. For like three years, it's the only way I could fall asleep at night. <laughs> It's really fun. Uh, we talked about it before. You should do it if you watch the Havana Oh, syndrome. yeah, if you need to clean your house. you ever need to clean your house and think it's full of, like, bugs and shit? You think you got, like, the government listening to you? Easy way to get rid of those bugs is you open your microwave all the way, tape down the little button that stops it from running while it's open, and then just turn it on high for, like, six hours and let it run, and it'll take care of everything that might be in your house. And if you're worried just... uh. Whatever outside walls you have to your house, put up aluminum foil. It'll keep that radiation. Yeah, in. it'll stop it from hurting your neighbors. Because you do, you know, you got to be a good. Neighbor <laughs> you got to be to courteous yeah. to your neighbors. Yeah. So they end up going to bed. For you a can few hours. sleep while you're doing that. By the way, you really want to speed things up, dude. I, we might actually there. get in trouble. For yeah. That. I guess I'm gonna have to go ahead and say, don't do anything. With yeah, this don't do that. It'll <laughs> turn you into a baked potato. <laughs> it'll liquefy your insides. I just want to see a microwave gun used so badly. I want to. No, nah, that's it's such an easy to weapon to make, you know. You know those big lumber microwaves, like they oh, used to dry yeah, out to dry out boards. I want to see a person in that. I know just, that's fucked up to say, but do that with my dead body when I die. Okay, you have permission to do that. This you, is if I get pulled into court for liquefying my dead dad's body. <laughs> I want this played in the court where he said he gave me permission. I did. I did consent to that because that sounds like a pretty sick way to get cremated. I'm also gonna get permanently banned from every Home Depot in the world. <laughs> Dude, could you imagine the smell of a body? Inside, man, I wonder if people die in tanning beds. Oh, I know. I don't know. That's got to smell bad. I, I do know another another funny aside. Um, my We knew this person. She was a friend of my mom's, and we were kind of close to their family for a bit. She got a huge settlement because she was in a tanning bed and reached to turn it off, and it electrocuted her. <laughs> and it, like, turned, like, her fingers black and everything. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking Kentucky Fried person. <laughs> I was watching, uh, for those of you who didn't watch our Andrew WK episode, you should. We talk about whether or not he is even a real person or if he's a, a group of people. And we talk about Dave Grohl in that episode because uh, Dave is great. And, oh, shit, I was, oh, he was telling a story on Hot Ones recently. Shout out to Hot Ones, great show. Uh, and he was telling how he electrocuted himself once because he thought it would be fun to jump in a pool at a spring break show and then immediately got on stage <laughs> And grabbed his guitar, you know, his electric guitar, and with his bare wet foot, stood on his distortion pedal, and he said it just shot the fucking fuck out of him. He said he felt like a cartoon character. Just, oh, God! <laughs> I, I would love to hear that, because you'd get to hear it, you know, because his hand would be moving up and down. So there's a sound, that sounds like something. Like, it's gross, but one of the funniest sounds to me in the whole world is when somebody gets a wind knocked out of them. I played football for too long, so when somebody's just like... I can't help but just think it's fucking hilarious. I uh, once got... God, that's cruel. I shouldn't say that out loud. I once got stabbed because someone got electrocuted. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've ever told this story on the podcast, but uh, when I was in high school, my biology teacher was fixing... We had the long like lab tables, yeah. and I was sitting there, and it was the two long ones on each side, and he was fixing an outlet on the other one, and his screwdriver slipped and went in yes. to the outlet, shocked him, and he pulled out in response and, and stabbed, stabbed me in the back with the screwdriver. <laughs> that's a good, I mean, that's a good reason to get stabbed. And he was like, oh, you should probably go down to the nurse. This is but, Indiana. Nothing's going to happen about this. Uh, anyways, so after sleeping for a few hours, Betty woke up and uh, placed her shoes in the clothing she had worn on the drive in her closet. 
Uh, but realize that the hem, the zipper, and the lining of her dress was all ripped. Interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, were they while they were abducted? Did they do they recall their abduction? Betty does a little, right? She does a little, uh, which I'll get to here in just a second. But she said that when she took the clothes out after noticing that they were ripped, they were covered in a pinkish powder. And when she hung her dress on the clothesline outside, the pink powder blew away. But the dress was irreparably damaged. Like, what if it was pink, just gone? What if that pink powder is like space Cheeto dust? And the guy who was in charge of that just didn't wash his space hands and was like, dude, did you get fucking Nurlac dust all over this again? And he's like, what do you, I mean, what do you want me to do, man? I'm here every day. I get hungry. Uh, so she ends up throwing it away, but changes her mind and retrieves the dress and hung it back up in her closet. And over the years, five different laboratories have conducted chemical and forensic analysis on the dress, which I'll talk about here a little later when we talk about the aftermath of them telling their story. But... There were also shiny concentric circles on the car's trunk that hadn't been there before. And they uh, experimented with a compass, noting that it moved uh, close. To when w- they got close to those spots, it would just start spinning. So just electromagnetic mm-hmm. tomfoolery was afoot, which does scream UFO activity. And then if they moved it away from any of the shining spots, it would just drop down. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it would droop. Um, so on September 21st, so three days later... Betty telephoned the Peace Air Force Base to report their UFO encounter. Uh, but for fear of being labeled eccentric, she withheld some of the details. And a day later, Major Paul W. Henderson telephoned the Hills for more uh, more detailed interview. And Henderson's report, uh, which was dated September 26th, was determined that the Hills had probably misidentified the planet Jupiter. <laughs> yeah, it was. You guys got it wrong. That's Jupiter. It was doing Jupiter's dance, where it wiggles around a whole lot, and then it makes you um, travel. And his report was forwarded to none other than Project Blue Book. Hell yes! For those of you who don't know, we talked about Project Blue Book a little bit. Project Blue Book was the government's attempt to sort of rationalize UFO sightings that were happening a lot in the fifties and the sixties. It's where the Men in Black come from. We're all familiar with that idea. And if you haven't, we did an episode uh, about UFOs over Texas, about uh, the Lubbock Lights. And uh, the story with the Lubbock Lights is fascinating because that's where the Men in Black, uh, that's one of the larger Project Blue Book cases, and it's where the Men in Black sort of started the trope of swamp gas or sort of gaslighting an entire group of people because, in this case, hundreds of people in Lubbock all, like, throughout the town claimed that they saw the same UFO over the city series of UFOs, mm-hmm. and the government's official stance was, ah, you didn't, though. You didn't. You guys are all just, it's mass hysteria, which d- mass hysteria happens, but not like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, because it was a bunch of different people. It wasn't just all the UFO lovers in town were like, oh, yeah, I totally saw that. It was, about, you know, you got, like, your good old-fashioned old ladies and shit that yeah. have no reason to lie to you about anything. The, and they're the, like, yeah, no, I saw it. group of, like, three six-year-old women that were like, no, that was a UFO. They got no reason to say yeah, that. Yeah, they're not lying, man. Those are your grandmas. They're not <laughs> lying to you. So, uh, days after the encounter, Betty went to the library and got a UFO book. And it was written by retired Marine Corps Major Donald E. Kehoe, who was the head of the NICAP at the time. Yeah. So, she wrote to Kehoe, and she related the full story, including the details of the humanoid figures that Barney saw through the binoculars. And she wrote that she and Barney... Uh, we're considering hypnosis to help recall what happened. Well, because Barney really didn't want to talk about it very Mm-mm. much. He didn't want to talk about it at all. And he, especially anytime he tried to think about it, got that uncomfortable buzzing sensation. So he never really talked about it. Her letter was eventually passed to Walter N. Webb, who was a Boston astronomer and an NICAP member. And so he met with the Hills on October 21st uh, and did a six-hour interview with them. Oh, wow. Where they related all they could remember of the UFO encounter. And Barney said he asserted that he had developed some sort of mental block, and he suspected there were portions of the event that he just didn't wish to remember. Yeah, understandably. They were very scared. And, you know, it's funny now because the trope of UFOs exists. Mm -hmm. And we talk about this a lot on the show because we talk about a lot of the supernatural things, but we talk about them no, in the history of them? Yeah. Something like this. Man, like, it's, it reminds me of when we talked about the Kentucky meat storm. Like, the meat shower? Yeah. How on earth would you even begin to put together what the fuck happened? Yeah. You know, like, 
Well, I would also be terrified. Nowadays, we'd be, I mean, you and I would just be excited if we saw a UFO. But I think even the average person would be pretty excited. Scared, maybe a little scared, but not terrified. They were terrified, but understandably so. Um, So 10 days after the UFO encounter, Betty began having these very vivid dreams that lasted for five nights in a row. Five nights at ready. <laughs> and she said never in her life. <laughs> there were all these weird puppets, and they were haunted, and they are like, come back to the pizza parlor. Uh, she said that she's never recalled dreams in such detail or intensity, but they stopped abruptly after five nights and never came back. Interesting. Uh, and they occupied her thoughts during the day. Do you think that was, do you think she has a feeling, like, I would feel, I would miss it. Yeah. If you had this like really intense interaction for a week straight and then it was gone forever, man, that's worse than being addicted to a drug. So she said that uh, in November of 1961, she began writing down the details of her dreams that she could remember. She said in one dream, her and Barney encountered a roadblock and men surrounded their car and she lost consciousness but struggled to regain it. And then she realized that she was being forced by two small men to walk in a forest at night and seeing Barney walk behind her, though she called out to him, he seemed to be in a trance or sleepwalking. And so the men stood about five feet to five feet four and wore matching blue uniforms with caps similar to military cadets. She said they appeared nearly human with black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses, and bluish lips, and their skin was a grayish color. Interesting. That. There's a couple different descriptions that she has, and one of them makes it sound like our traditional grays, but the other one, that description there, sounds a lot like the people Travis Walton described, mm-hmm. like down to the T. Yeah, just like very pretty humanoids. Yep, because that, that's what he said. He was like, he was like they were just really handsome, mm-hmm. which, again, you know, he said he was fucking them, so you got to like take that with a grain of salt. What if he's lying and he was talking about grays, the perverts? He was like, oh, they were just, they were really handsome. They got these bulbous heads and these beautiful, <laughs> juicy black no, eyes. No, man. You had to These be there. tiny little like, weak bodies you can just grab a hold of. They're, like, really hot. You just had to be there. So, uh, in the dreams, <laughs> Betty, Barney, and the men walk up a ramp into a disc-shaped craft of metallic appearance. And once inside, Barney and Betty were separated. And she said that uh, a man that she called the leader said that if her and Barney were examined together, it'd take much longer to conduct the exams. So, they were taken to separate rooms. And then, again, in the dreams... She dreamt that a new man, similar to the others, entered to conduct her exam with the leader, and she called this new man the examiner, said he had a pleasant, calm manner, and the leader examiner spoke to her in English, but then talked to each other in a different language she couldn't understand. Spanish. So, Betty told the, uh, or the examiner told Betty that he would conduct a few tests to note the differences between humans and themselves. Sit uh, her in a chair, and a bright light was shown on her eyes. He then cut off a lock of her hair, looked at her ears, mouth, eyes, teeth, throat, and hands, saved the trimmings from her fingernails, examined her legs and feet, used a dull knife, uh, scraped some of the skin onto what looked like cellophane, Okay, and then took a, a needle and put it in her belly button, which caused her ent- like agonizing pain. And he was like, hey, 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 like, stop. And waved his hands in front of her eyes, and the pain just stopped. Interesting. So well, That's a fucking sweet ability to have. Uh, the examiner then left the room, and Betty engaged. Your legs are numb. <laughs> ah! <laughs> AIDS. Um, <laughs> so, the worst superpower there ever was. We, we were talking a couple days ago that if you could make the worst supervillain, what would it be? And I came up with one who just, he does finger guns, and if he does finger guns at you, you just have AIDS now. <laughs> it's the worst supervillain in the world. He's just like, AIDS. Uh, so the examiner left the room, and Betty starts talking with the leader, and she picked up a book uh, with strange rows of symbols that the leader said she could take home with her. And when she asked where he came from, it's just a, we, he thinks she thinks it's like the nepro, Necronomicon. It's just a, a souvenir. He gave me this pullover sweatshirt that had an alien language on the front, and I think <laughs> this is university. I'm not sure. He said I could take it home with me. Um, and she said she asked where he came from, and he pulled down an instructional map dotted with stars. He asked where he came from, and he pulled down his pants. And then <laughs> there, like everybody Here. else, uh. She said that the men began escorting them from the ship when a disagreement broke out, and the leader then told Betty that she couldn't keep the book 
stating that they had decided that the other men did not want her to even remember the encounter. Dude, that's so funny. This one guy was, like, really hopeful and stoked. He was like, yeah, you get to keep this book. You're really cool. And then he, like, got a message in his ear, and he's like, okay, so unfortunately I've got some bad news. I actually have to take the book away from you, and uh, I have to kill you now. I'm very sorry. So... She said that even if they did wipe her memories, she would do whatever she could to recall it. And that's when she started having these dreams, doing this recollection. Well, then they started having, like, they were missing time more and more, where they just couldn't keep track of what they were doing. Hours would go by without them seemingly knowing what happened. And they finally, Barney went under hypnosis to try to remember some of the stuff. And he did. So uh, he met with a doctor named Dr. Simon who started hypnotizing the hills on January 4th of 1964. So three years after the UFO thing. And at the end of each session, he would then reinstate their insomnia. Or not insomnia, uh, amnesia. So like they would not remember what happened. He would hypnotize them. They would talk about what happened. And then when they left, they couldn't remember what happened again. Interesting. So that's uh, some very like uh, Joseph Smith and the Golden Tablets of Mormonism. What's in there? Well, I can't. I can only tell you. I cannot show you. Um, Barney would really took to this, so he would never really talk about what happened. And he, like you said, had this mental block. But during hypnosis, he was very consistent with his uh, story, which that the binocular strap broke when he was running from the UFO. He remembered how it got torn. Uh, he recalled driving the car away from the UFO, but felt irresistibly compelled to pull off and drive into the woods. He also said that he sighted six men standing on a dirt road, and the car stalled, and three of the men approached the car. But he said Barney didn't feel anxious, uh, or he didn't feel scared, but he felt anxious. So he then remembers that he was told to close his eyes by this main man and did and next thing you know, he said, I felt like the eyes had been pushed into my own eyes. And he was like, he described the being as generally similar to uh, Betty's uh, recollection that she had in her dream and often stared into his eyes. And when they would stare into his eyes, he couldn't do anything. Oh, fascinating. That really makes me think of, uh, makes me think of the Meow Wolf stuff. Mm-hmm. All the eyes from the House of Eternal Return. Uh, he then relates that he was taken through the woods into a disc-shaped craft. They were separated. They were examines done. A cup-like device was placed over his genitals. Uh, and he said, I did not experience an orgasm, though <laughs> some semen did leave my body. Huh. Which is so funny. Dude, this dude... Dr- they dry-pumped him. This dude's like... Obsession with his own dick. Yeah. Uh, his preoccupation with his wiener is profound. <laughs> he said that the men scraped skin and, uh, again, looked in his ears, eyes, nose, mouth, everything that Betty remembered in her dreams. Uh, he did say that a tube or cylinder was inserted into his anus and quickly removed. <laughs> I and like that, how he said quickly removed. They probed <laughs> me, but they took it right out. They took uh-huh. it out. It, was, it wasn't gay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even like it, dude. I, I did not make eye contact. It I was wearing count. my socks the whole time. So he also yeah. said that what, what if we, what if we kissed under the anal probe? <laughs> he's like, ah, and they're like, we didn't do anything, man. That was you. That was you. Uh, see, like, a- did you dude just stick a hose up his butt as he was leaving? He's like, you did this to me. You're doing it, and they're like, we're not doing that. Uh, he said that someone f- like felt his spine and counted his vertebrae, and he recalled. Betty having that conversation with the the leader that she said was in English. He said that he was there and saw them, but heard them speaking in a mumbling language he couldn't understand. Simlish. It was simlish. Igabanabanoi. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a mumble mode from the Lego games. So he said that uh, he was pretty sure that whenever he communicated with him or whenever Betty communicated with him, that it was thought transference. Uh, but at the time, he was unfamiliar with the word uh, telepathy. Okay. So he basically explained telepathy. Yeah. So both Betty and Barney stated that they hadn't observed the being's mouth moving while speaking English. So that's why they get this idea. Do you think that aliens in the, like, 60s, because there's so many cases like this then, do you think they showed up and they, like, tried to figure out humans and then we were just such a pain in the ass 
they were like, I don't know, man. We tried. We picked up this couple the other day, and I'm going to be honest with you. The whole thing went really weird. The guy was shoving a hose up his butt before he left. I think these humans aren't worth it. Yeah. Um, he also recalled being escorted from the ship and taken back to his car. Okay. He said that in a day. Well, yeah, because he was shoving a hose up his ass. Watched the ship leave, and then he remembered a light appearing on the road again later, and he said, oh, no, not again. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, he then said that he made an attempt to produce the code-like buzzing sounds uh, that strike <laughs> the car's <laughs> trunk. Just there going, no, uh, that's not it. it Burp. <laughs> No. Grr. No. Well, he tried to do it by uh, driving side to side and stopping and oh. starting the vehicle. <laughs> I was hoping he was just doing it by himself in the car. And he, and he wasn't able to. Uh, Betty, do you think it was more of a wah, 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 or like a wah, wah, wah? Uh, he wasn't able to recall or recreate the sound. But Dr. Simon, after the hypnosis, speculated that Barney's recollection of the UFO encounter was a fantasy inspired by Betty's dream. And that the most reasonable and consistent explanation was that, hey, you just heard your wife's dream. You're coming up with this story to go with her dream. And Barney was like, no. He's like, our memories are consistent. And we've told these stories independent of each other. And Yeah, I was very surprised to hear that under hypnosis their stories were so similar. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, hey, I'm ready to accept the fact that we were abducted by aliens. He never really accepted it as much as Betty did. Um, but he was like, this is what happened. And then the Hills and Simon disagreed about the cause of their distress. But si- Dr. Simon was like, yeah, um, you guys definitely have something wrong. But after the sessions, they were no longer uh, obsessed with this anxiety feeling that they had. They had a more calm feeling from there on out. And Simon actually wrote an article about them in the Psychiatric Opinion uh, Journal, where he said that his conclusion was a case of a singular psychological aberration. Yes, and I think that that's condescending. I think it's a little diminutive to be like, no, they just are imagining this thing happening. And it's it's hard to ask a psychologist an opinion on that because a psychologist's job is to look for inconsistencies. Mm -hmm. And when your narrative is that you were abducted by fucking aliens, inconsistency is the sponsor of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard without like more realistic evidence and more belief in the system like that doctor's got to believe in aliens a little bit to believe that this guy might be going through this. Yeah. You know, and aliens, as we've mentioned on the show, are one of the few subjects that like kind of undeniably have to exist ghosts. Who knows a lot of this shit, who knows the missing cases, who knows, but aliens have to exist. So, there was a lot of blowback there. And it wasn't just that it wasn't just, you know, the general like, well, aliens don't exist. You're silly. There was also blowback, racial blowback, right? Yeah. Yeah. There was a bunch of stuff where as more people wrote about it, um, people kept saying that it was hallucination. uh, And a lot of psychiatrists suggested that it was a hallucination brought on by the stress of being an interracial couple in the early sixties, United States. See, and that to me just says, like, the psychologist feels that they were doing that to get the attention or to let it mm-hmm. define their character, to distract away from the fact that they were probably defined by their interracial marriage. But by all accounts, this couple was very happy, very confident in who they were. Oh, like, yeah. They were not stressed out about being interracial. Yeah, uh, uh, Betty said that her relationship with Barney was happy and their marriage caused no notable problems with their friends or family. Um, another, another resident in the area um, said that he was uh, also abducted. His name was Jim McDonald. uh, Oh, yeah, he he has a farm. uh, E-I-E-I-O. And so he said that he saw this UFO as well and misperceived an aircraft warning beacon as a UFO. And he notes that he took the same road and the beacon appeared and disappeared at the same time that this UFO, that they said this UFO appeared. And so he's kind of telling the story that, like... He's like, guys, I saw them get abducted. Yeah. Um, He said that he had stress, sleep deprivation, and false memories. And so he his story lines up exactly with theirs. And people came after him as well and called the Hills a poster child for not driving while sleep-deprived. And McDonald's article focused on on the Hills and their journey. And people were like, we don't believe this guy either. 
Yes, it's so fascinating. It's so people are so quick to poo-poo that sort of thing. I guess it's kind of nice. You know, we live in a weird age now because of the internet and you know QAnon and stuff. It's weird to see conspiracies so like conventionally discussed. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why we have this show, right? But it's at that time it was just the complete opposite. As much as I like want to talk shit about Alex Jones or whatever, at least fuck man, at least there was a time when you could talk about it if it was a little different. Yeah, I probably shouldn't use him as an example because he's just such a psychopath. But you know what I mean? Like it's interesting that there was a an option because at that time you could easily. It took one person to write you off and be like, "No, you're fucking crazy. That didn't happen. You're stressed out." I'm not yeah. stressed out. I got abducted by an alien and now it lives in my head. Um, one of their biggest like skeptics is this columnist named uh, Robert Schaefer who wrote, I was president at the National UFO Conference in New York City in 1980 at which Betty presented some of the UFO photos she had taken. She showed that she must have been far more than 200 slides, mostly of blips, blurs, and blobs against a dark background. These were supposed to be UFOs coming in close chasing her car, landing, and etc. After her talk had exceeded about twice its allotted time, Betty was literally jeered off the stage by what had been a first a sympathetic audience. Dude, could you imagine getting up there and being like, okay, so here's my alien story, and by the end of it, these people being like, boo, get the fuck off the stage. He said that this incident uh, <laughs> witnessed many of the UFOlogy's leaders and top activists removing any lingering doubts about Betty's credibility, she had none. That's so weird. And all over UFOs, that just feels like because she was a woman and it was Mm -hmm. the 60s. It's also worth pointing out that Barney died in 1969. Yes. Yeah, so as silly as it sounds, like, you know, he was pretty fearful that he had been connected to an alien and something was probably going to happen to him. And, yeah, he did die. I mean, he did die eight years later. I don't know what that means, but he did die pretty young. Um, in 1995, Betty wrote a self-published book called A Common Sense Approach to UFOs. Uh, this is still Robert Schaefer writing. He said, It is filled with delusional stories such as seeing entire squadrons of UFOs in flight and a truck levitating above a freeway. He later wrote that as late as 1977, Betty would go on, on UFO vigils at least three times a week. And one evening, she was joined by UFO enthusiast John Oswald. Uh, when asked about Betty's continuing UFO observation, Oswald stated, she's not really seeing UFOs, but she's calling them that. And on the night they went out together, Miss Hill was unable to distinguish between a landed UFO and a streetlight. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, in later interviews, Schaefer recounts that Betty Hill wrote, UFOs are a new science, and our science cannot explain them. He then released a 48-page archive documents uh, relating to Betty and Barney Hill, and... Uh, just basically tearing them apart, every shred of evidence. And they were just like, she doesn't know what the fuck she's seeing. See, but I I don't think that's fair because if you were abducted by aliens and people didn't believe you and take you seriously, it's very um, likely that you might then just become obsessive about trying to prove that they exist. And that might, yeah, then cause you to chase a bunch of shit that doesn't exist and try to convince people, hey, no, this thing's an alien too. No, 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 no. That first thing was an alien. Yeah. The first thing that happened, I feel you. I do think you were probably abducted. I don't think that she was since. And I think a lot of that stuff was just trying to get people to believe that aliens are real. Yeah. Because when you get into that sort of trauma spiral, sometimes when you're backed up, we're seeing it nowadays. I keep bringing up QAnon, but this is the Ask Cat Spirit Hour, so yeah. they're going to come up. And you see it a lot there. Sometimes you, you get yourself in this irrational circle, and you just want to be heard, and no one will listen to you. And it gets to the point where you no longer see the utility of truth, and you see that maybe it might be more in my interests to lie mm-hmm. or to exaggerate because then maybe we'll, people will pay attention to me. And, you know, that works, but obviously it doesn't work the way you want it to. That's not the type of attention that is constructive. But I can see why somebody backed into a corner might consistently double down and be like, no, they are real. Yeah. Yeah. Because and she did legitimately have that one real experience. The the one issue with that being is it's the boy who cried wolf scenario, too. Like, you see, you see a UFO once, you believe it, you start telling the story, and then you point everything out as a UFO, you're losing more and more credibility by the second. Yeah, it's going to be a lot harder for people to believe that original story. Exactly. And without Barney around anymore, you know, there's no real other backbone there. And like I said, I dude, imagine, I mean, let's play advocate here and put yourself in their shoes. If you were seemingly abducted by aliens and then had these vivid alien dreams for five nights, and then at the end of that, that went away forever, you, oh, Hello? Okay, hold on one second. We're just finishing up our podcast.
Yeah, just one second. We're legitimately at the end. So, yeah, I think that if you were concerned about something like that, it would entirely make sense that you would uh, obsess about it for the rest of your life and yeah. try to prove people. Because it did happen. You know that it happened, and you're just trying to find evidence to tell people, I told you so. I told you it happened. Because if you can prove it there, you can prove your original thing happened. Mm -hmm. So I get that. I understand that. Well, everybody, let us know what you think. Leave your, your comments or leave it in the comments if you think they were really abducted or if you think that they were just making this story up for attention. I don't think that was the case. I think they had plenty of attention as it was. Yeah. I think it legitimately happened, and I think the fallout's been pretty interesting. It's it's odd how we, uh, how we will persecute people if we think that, you know, they've been through a thing that we don't agree with. Yeah. Whatever. It's like, no, you weren't. There's no fucking way you went through that. Well, why and don't you, you be a little nicer about that? You just that? tear them apart. Yeah. Why don't hey, you just be a little nicer? The ultimate gaslighting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this is the end of the podcast. That means that uh, it is riddle o'clock. Yes. Riddle time. So last week's riddle was, uh, you buy me taken apart to redo what has been undone. Four of my pieces have one sharp corner. The rest of them have none. What am I? Uh, the answer, jigsaw puzzle. Yep. Uh, I was puzzle. actually going to point out while we were talking about it that I'm pretty sure jigsaw puzzles don't have sharp corners in them. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because yeah. eyeballs. You lose your eyeballs. Yeah. Well, what is it today? At least I didn't shout it out. I do have a tendency <laughs> to do that. It saves me in editing. I don't have to bleep it out if I accidentally say the name or the answer to the riddle. Uh, so this one uh, is a lot like the tree one from a couple episodes ago. It is the rungs of a 10-foot ladder attached to a ship are one foot apart. If the water is rising at a rate of one foot an hour... How long will it take until the water covers over the ladder? Let us know what you think in the comments. Leave us your answer. And uh, let us know what you thought of the story. It's a pretty interesting one. Uh, I think they saw those aliens. I think they were telling the truth. And I think people were being real shitheads to them about it. Uh, but I think that was a real case. It's an interesting case. And specifically the 50s through the 70s with UFO sightings in the U.S. are definitely the most interesting. Yeah. And here's to hoping we don't find out if they intervene with nuclear intervention. Hopefully we never come to that and we don't have to find out. We might yeah. see here in like a week. Yeah, we might be seeing UFOs over the Ukraine in about two weeks. Who knows? <laughs> All right, well, with that said, we love you guys very much. Thank you for joining us and we will see you next week.